Hello and welcome to the Business Standard Morning Show. I'm Vinu Sandhu. It's the 1st of February 2024 and here are the questions we will be answering today. Could today's budget be not so interim? How will direct listing on Gift City exchanges benefit India Inc? What all can disappoint markets in the interim budget? And what is an interim budget? Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman will equal the feat of former Prime Minister Murarji Desai today when she presents her sixth consecutive budget in Parliament. But will she stick to the old tradition of keeping the interim budget free of pre-election sops and big schemes? What clue could the history of the interim budget offer us? Ayush Mishra and Abhijit Kumar find out. As the name suggests, an interim budget is just an interim arrangement. The full budget will come once the new government is formed after getting the people's mandate. Interim budget includes the vote on account to ensure that the government's expenditures like salaries, pension, etc. are not affected. As per convention, an interim budget is expected to refrain from making big announcements of schemes or taxation measures. But elections at times play tricks on politicians. Although Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman has assured that she will not fall for it. In December last year, she had told a gathering of industry leaders that the interim budget will not have any spectacular announcement. While we will come to know about that in the next few hours, what does the history tell us? When was the first time when the interim budget started straying from the well-trodden path? The move of making big announcements in the interim budget gained traction during the Atal Bihari Vajpayee regime. In the 2004 interim budget, the then Finance Minister Jaswan Singh had announced measures such as extension of the Antyodaya scheme from 15 million families to 20 million. He also announced a merger of 50% dearness allowance of central government employees with basic pay and had halved the stamp duty on central government papers and reduced customs duty on free baggage at international airports from 50% to 40%. But the NDA couldn't script a comeback and UPA came to power. Five years later, in 2009, Finance Minister Pranab Mukherjee tabled the interim budget and he extended the earlier reduction in central excise duty rates by four percentage points beyond March 31, 2009, as well as reduced the service tax rates to 10% from 12%. In 2014, the then Finance Minister P. Chidambaram also announced excise duty cuts for the automobile industry. The duty was slashed from 12% to 8% on small cars, motorcycles, scooters and commercial vehicles. There was also an excise duty reduction on mobile phones. The incumbent NDA under the leadership of Prime Minister Narendra Modi also used the interim budget to make grand announcements with the elections in sight. The then Finance Minister Piyush Goyal introduced the Pradhan Mantri Kisan Samman Nidhi PM Kisan scheme to extend direct income support at the rate of 6,000 rupees per year to farmer families having cultivable land up to 2 hectares. Social security coverage for the unorganized sector was also announced. So given these past instances and trends, can today's budget be expected to adhere to the conventions of an interim budget? Normally, interim budgets are meant only for four months of the uh, next financial year. Uh, I mean, if you look at the past, uh, there's a mix. Some governments have used it uh, for uh, populism. Some have not really used. So it's a combination of both. But uh, my feeling is that um, if you look at the current situation, 
now yeah, indian economy is doing very well at the moment uh, although there are some issues um, when it comes to uh, you know uh, inflation and other numbers but i think not broadly i think in the medium term we are expecting that india is in a good position so i am not sure what i mean i the uh, finance minister is going to do in the interim budget but i expect that she will not do that kind of populism and even if today's interim budget also breaks with the convention what are the major announcements that could be made i think some could something could be announced for the 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 rural economy because agriculture hasn't done well rural economy is trailing the urban economy you could see some uh, uh, some so, sort of uh, social security measure or some welfare measure for the rural economy that is likely beyond that i don't see much in terms of some of the schemes i think that there is a strong possibility that the government will increase the allocation uh in, in terms of the uh, kisan samman nidhi which is uh, being given let us say at about 6000 rupees uh per farmer and that amount may go up and this will involve a an additional if it goes up let us say from 6000 to 9000 that this will involve an additional outlay of about 34000 crore However, constitutional experts believe that it is not a good practice to make significant announcements regarding welfare programs and tax rates in the interim budget. But there is no specific provision in the constitution to prevent this from happening. Normally by concept uh, one should not expect the government of the day to utilize the interim budget for populistic uh, policy measures. What happens if the same government doesn't come back? You know that then all the Uh, measure that are proposed in the uh, interim budget will actually go uh, you know it will not be implemented so i think it will be fair enough for the government of the day not to utilize it and if at all if they do it um, you know whatever the numbers that they are going to present present in the interim budget will not be looked at seriously the ball is now in finance minister sitharaman's court let us see if she walks the talk today Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman has a record of keeping promises. Just a fortnight after she said that the government was going through the process of direct listing of stocks in Gift IFSC in a very systematic manner, the rules were notified last week. Indian companies can now list on foreign exchanges. But how will it benefit India Inc? Kasturi Akhil and Ayush Mishra find out. The government on 24th of January notified rules to allow Indian companies to directly list on international exchanges through Gujarat International Finance Tech City or Gift City, which is a tax-neutral financial center with an easier regulatory environment. This initiative will offer Indian companies access to global capital beyond domestic exchanges, thereby boosting the flow of foreign funds into the country. The eligible exchanges are India International Exchange and NSE International Exchange. Earlier, only certain classes of public companies were permitted to directly list on international exchanges. With the new framework, 
unlisted public Indian companies will also be able to list their shares on the exchanges. So far, Indian companies seeking international listings utilize depository receipts such as American depository receipts or global depository receipts. According to Prime Database, between 2008 and 2018, 109 companies raised nearly 51,800 crore rupees through the ADRs and GDR route. After 2018, none of the companies got listed overseas. ADRs allow US investors to purchase stock in an Indian company. But with the recent policy, foreign investors can now directly purchase stocks of a company listed on the Gift City exchanges. Today, what you have is foreign money when they want to invest into India. Okay. Uh, they effectively have to get for listed investments. They need to have an FBI registration. They invest into India. Uh, and there's a process for doing that registration. Uh, of course, Sevier tried making it simpler over a period of time, but this, there's still a registration process that you have. Plus, also uh, the eligibility criteria that comes in. Now, when you have one exchanges at Gift, you can effectively simply open a regular brokerage account, depository account, bank account, and start investing onto the exchanges at Gift. Now, that makes it very, very simple. One, uh, so I think that will come up. Two, uh, while clarity on taxation is awaited, but as of now, the status is. Uh, the capital gains tax will not apply, right? So there's a major tax advantage when you invest into companies which are listed uh, at Gift City. Through its tax-neutral environment and simpler regulatory norms, the Gift International Financial Services Center, or IFSC, is aiming to compete with the likes of financial hubs like Singapore. The framework restricts access to Indian residents, making it exclusive to foreign investors and non-resident Indians. Speaking of companies that are eligible to list on the exchanges, the IFSC authorities said that those companies that hail from sectors prohibited from foreign direct investments will not be allowed. Moreover, shares listed on international exchanges will be considered as foreign holdings of the company. The Union Finance Ministry said that this initiative will lead to better valuation of Indian companies in line with global standards and boost foreign investment flows. Naveen Mathu from Anand Rati Shares and Stockbrokers elaborates on how direct listing of companies will boost foreign investments in the country. An entrepreneur, a startup company wants to get its company listed on the gift platform. They can do it well within what the parameters of listing being there or would be there for them to comply with. Now, that would happen for a company in India which cannot access the BSC or NSC right away. So means if the company is Indian, they are wanting uh, their stocks to be listed on the gift exchange and that exchange would serve as a purpose of uh, mobilizing or raising capital for this company in India. I'm sure that uh, say next five years down the line, um, the, the FDI flow apart from the normal channel in India directly coming to India uh, can be seen as a major constant from the gift city for the organizations which are listed here but based in it. The companies listed at the gift city will have to follow disclosure and regulatory requirements specified under the International Financial Services Centre's Authority Issuance and Listing of Securities Regulations 2021. IFSCA serves as the apex authority for the gift city's jurisdiction that subsumes the role of the Reserve Bank of India, Securities and Exchange Board of India and Insurance Regulatory and Development Authority of India, 
providing a regulatory and business environment in line with global standards. The Finance Ministry emphasized how startups and companies in the sunrise and technology sectors will particularly benefit from the latest move, providing them an alternative route to access global capital beyond domestic exchanges. Since the launch of Startup India initiative in 2016, 92,683 entities have been recognized as startups till February 2023. However, if a local company with shareholders from neighboring countries such as China wants to list on exchanges in the financial hub, it will need government approval. Experts agree that the new policy will not only widen the investor base for the listed public companies, but will also open investment avenues for the unlisted ones. However, the IFSC exchanges are still in the nascent stage and it will take some time for Indian companies to adapt. Gift City will clearly open a window of opportunity for Indian companies. But today, India Inc. and investors will be glued to TV sets. Today's Disha Nideshik budget, as Prime Minister Narendra Modi termed it on January 31st, will be keenly watched. Investors expect the government to paint a picture of commitment to growth and sustainability ahead of the general elections. But kickstarting demand in rural and urban landscapes could come at a cost. Will the markets be able to digest that? Nikita Vasisht speaks to analysts to gauge which fiscal estimates might play spoils boat for the markets. Union Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman will announce the interim budget in just a few hours. This vote on account, which will outlay the government's expenditure till July 2024, has kept market watchers guessing as to whether or not it will be laced with populist announcements. The quantum of rural SOPs and corporate subsidies analysts believe will decide the market mood today and in the days ahead. Basically, people are looking at whether the imperatives of a weak household situation, especially the rural conditions, if that will be compare a lot of allocation on the revenue side and, and, and social heads. If there are tax measures uh, which uh, which, uh, which are, let's say, imposing high burden on corporates. Meanwhile, according to a pre-budget note by Philip Capital, while the FY25 interim union budget is expected to generate space for higher rural and social spending, Pre-poll stimulus may be limited considering fiscal targets that government wants to achieve by FY26. For now, markets are pricing in incentives aimed at reviving the rural economy. But will the cost of these SOPs be too much for the markets to bear? We expect uh, to meet the fiscal deficit target of 5.9% and we expect going ahead, uh, this target would be further narrowed to the range of 53 to 5.5%. However, this is going to come at a cost and uh, this cost would be rather disappointing and we expect such disappointment to emanate in the form of uh, a lowered pace of growth in terms of public CAPEX. So we expect uh, CAPEX growth to decline and decline significantly. Analysts thus believe a fine balance between fiscal consolidation and CAPEX expansion would be the key element to watch out today. So, what are markets factoring in at the current levels? On average, CAPEX is pegged in the range of 10.5 to 11.5 trillion rupees, while fiscal deficit for the new financial year is forecast in the range of 5.1 to 5.5 percent. 
On the revenue fronts, markets analysts said are hoping for increased tax exemption limits in a general election year. Against this, Nirmal Bang Institutional Equities is factoring in net tax revenue growth at 10.9% in FY25 with direct or income tax collection growth at 14% and indirect tax growth at 7%. Therefore, the key numbers to watch out during the interim budget 2024 would be tweaks in income tax rates, if any, allocation under rural focus schemes, divestment target and government borrowings. Apart from the interim budget, the U.S. Federal Reserve's policy decision announced last night would weigh on investors' mind on 1st February. He's making plans for an early retirement. Business Standard Ever wondered what an interim budget really is? We explain it to you in our next segment. An interim budget is like a stopgap arrangement that the government puts together when there is a change on the horizon, such as elections. It is a bit like a placeholder budget to keep things running smoothly until the new government can make a full-fledged budget for the whole year. So the incumbent government, just before completing its term, makes a plan on how to spend and save money for the next few months. In India's case, a new government will be formed by July this year and the interim budget will put together the projections from March to July 2020. It focuses on important things like paying people's salary, pensions and keeping ongoing projects going. It's not the time to start new policies or change how taxes work, but just a simple plan to keep the basics covered. No major policy announcements that can burden the next government can be presented in the interim budget. The Election Commission's Code of Conduct does not allow the interim budget to include any major scheme as it could influence the voters. Interim budget helps avoid any financial hiccups during the changeover. It is like a smooth handover of the current government's responsibilities to the new one, making sure the country's money matters keep going along until the new government can fully take charge and plan for the whole year ahead in the union budget. In common parlance, interim budget is also called the vote on account. However, a vote on account contains just the government's expenses, whereas an interim budget deals with receipts and payments. A vote on account is valid for two months, while an interim budget is a budget for the transition when elections are on the anvil. Vote on account allows the government to obtain parliamentary approval for essential government spending, such as salaries and ongoing expenses. A vote on account deals specifically with expenditure and can be passed by Parliament without a formal discussion. So vote on account is just an interim permission to spend money for a brief period. The ruling government cannot present the economic survey with the interim budget. This time, it came out with an economic review about India's journey over the last 10 years. Well, that's all for today. For more news and analysis, please log into our website, business-standard.com. Thank you for watching.
For more news, views and updates, subscribe to Business Standard on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Also follow us on YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.